0: Chocobo Party Up Celeste and Quacks of Quedlingburg This is Staying In
1: Pete, yes. it's that time of year
0: again where
1: It's I, that time of year where I send you off to Birmingham yes. with money but yes. I haven't given you yet Right <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks for that He's, he's and, waiting to see what his
2: money bought him before he decides to give know. it to you yes.
1: and, and I give you money Yep. And I tell you to go and buy me something from the UK Board Games Ex- Expo, yep. yes. which you have done again. I, yes. I, I cut, I slashed the budget in half from last year.
3: I know, it was real, real tough.
1: I'm sure. You, so last year for £7, yes. you bought me Batman the role-playing game. Yeah, a quality purchase. Which I bought £6 worth of dice for and we still haven't played it. but you know. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> Soon. It's maybe the year. I know. And so this year £5 as your budget. It was £10 last year. You went to the board, you board games expo uh, what do you get me what do you get I bought you Wibble <laughs> <laughs> what? that looks like so- a packet of mints <laughs> hang on what the hell is no before I search <laughs> it what the hell is Wibble what's Wibble? it uh, in, so this is
3: this is um, okay so this is from somebody called Beru's uh, brackets well speech marks Bez Shariari I'm probably uh, pronouncing that
1: wrong Bez probably and it's from Bez Bez, Bez is actually, <laughs> fairly, the, the, Bez is actually fairly well known fairly P. well known Pete yes. do you know who Bez is yes I've met Bez alright as, as in like the Bez wait which Bez are we talking about here? As in, I would
2: argue I'm. don't get. me Uh, Behrouz Bez I'm sure uh, Is very very popular Perhaps I think the Bez Sam's talking about Is perhaps a bit more Famous Historically Yeah What is he like Is he like a famous designer
1: No He played the maracas In the band The Happy Mondays
3: Popular culture Taking another hit I don't think... This isn't by... I, don't think is, this is, I
1: just wanted to... That's all I wanted to clear up, is when you're referring no, to someone as Bez... It's, it's not by him. I'm pretty sure you don't mean ex-celebrity Big Brother contestant Bez. I don't think so, because I've actually met this Bez.
3: Uh, <laughs> so, Bez is really cool. Uh, so, I... Uh, 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 Bez seems to be somebody who is at a lot of different board game expos and uh, so for example they came to to the one City of Games which was in Bristol I think I've met them at a couple of other bits and pieces and uh, basically basically they 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 bring Wibble with them always right and I'd seen it being played before at a couple of different places and it's basically uh Wibble is the fastest word game in the west it's 10 to 25 minutes and it's four Four to seven players and it's also well it was also five pounds it was being sold not by Bez uh, I don't think it was by somebody else who had a stall and this is like a brand new packet of it so I just thought you know what I'm going to go ahead and get it and it also comes with it's not just Wibble it's also Grabble a silly speedy recognition and slams game
1: Phrasal
3: inventing amusing little uh, phrases Fable cooperative storytelling activity and Alphabetical assemble an alphabetical sequence the game will all five games there are five games in here they range from two to fifteen Players,
1: wow, and that's that's just like the size of a cigarette packet.
3: I know, and look at that art as well. I, it's covered up by the word Fiver uh, over the top of it, but look at that art. It looks really nice and hand drawn and hand lovely, and it's just a deck of cards. And uh, I saw it and I was like, you know what, Sam has pals. Sam has pals that he'll uh, he'll play this with. So I was like, I'm going to go ahead and buy it. And I would like a full report. Thank you. Uh, so uh, I got that and for his you. money and also five yeah. pounds, please
1: and uh, five pounds.
3: But yeah, so um, uh, UK. Games Expo was good again. Surprise! It was absolutely heaving. It was a bit warm, because the uh, weather was very nice, and the air conditioning was okay, but the the, the smell of hot geek funk uh, was thick in the air. Um, and uh, So it was very, very warm. Uh, Lots of board games, as you would expect. Uh, Lots of miniatures games. Lots of card games. Some e... Well, it's not called eSports, is it? Like, tournament stuff. Official tournament stuff. Lots of people with um, lots of show tables and stuff. It was really interesting to see how big the stalls were for lots of different people's things. So, like Star Realms, for example. So, I went and played Hero Realms because i never played that before. Spoilers, it's Star Realms, but with fantasy. It, yeah. Yeah, but it's uh, quite cool. But they had loads of tables. They were showing lots of people those games and Epic and Sorcerer, I think it was. And then you went to go and see the people who are making Dystopian Wars and Wayland Games Uh, and uh, you went to go and see... Ooh, who else was there? Um, Oh, Warhammer. The people who make make Rummy Cub. Yeah, the people who make Warhammer. Lots of big stalls and stands. And there were some slightly smaller ones as well. So I went to go and see the Burrows and Badgers stand. That was slightly bigger this time around because I think they learned that they basically liked sold out of half this stock last year um, and they had a bit more stock this year, which was really cool and I picked up the latest bit of... Um uh, so they're starting to do world building, a bit more world building in the game now. So I picked up this lovely little book of lore that um, uh, that, um, uh, the, uh, uh the, the, that the team over there have put together. Uh, went to go see the Bushido stand, which was a bit smaller this year, uh, which was really interesting to see that they'd kind of like downsized a little bit, I think in preparation for the new third edition that's coming out. Um, and I went to, uh, uh, so two other things that I went to. One, I went and got a problem. Uh, so I went to the bring and buy, I went, I went to the bring and buy,
2: I knew sections. we shouldn't have let you go to this thing. <laughs> dude. Uh, dude. Again. So,
3: so. You're lucky, Sam. Because for a tenner, oh, yeah. which is twice your budget, so it's a good thing you, you've slashed it, um, yeah. I picked up a copy of the 1980... I want to say maybe 1988 uh, military classic Aerotech, which... So it's a spin-off of Battletech, which is already getting into the weeds a little bit. And <laughs> it is a game where the, the, the map for this thing, which comes in this box, the box is full of little cardboard counters. Uh, the map is like... I'm making... So it's about what two, three, maybe three, yeah, two and a half feet wide. Two and a
1: about five. size of yeah. a uh, World Cup football planner wall chart.
3: Yes, absolutely, that sort of size, <laughs> covered in hexes. <laughs> I like Pete accepting that without any knowledge about how big that is. <laughs> I assume I assume that's about right.
1: If we, you have if you ever tracked your team through the World Cup on a wall chart, that's about the size of nice. of what Pete was. Nice. And sure. then you quite
0: rea- you realise quite often that you only get so far along that wall child, your team. <laughs> yes. Before you completely get it. size of paper, basically. <laughs> So that,
3: covered in hexes with arrows pointing to where the gravity well on the map is, and you have to deal with things like, my understanding is because I've opened it and just gone, oh no! <laughs> and put it back again, and like, I'm going <laughs> to deal with it at another point. Um, uh, the game allows you to do uh, low Earth orbit um, dogfighting in spacecraft. It allows you to then go to the planet and then pick up a battle and do a bombing run in a full game of Battletech that's also happening to the side and you have to make sure that you don't burn up on re-entry and like you have to deal with like delta V and all that sort of stuff so anyway oh, right, yeah. I picked that up for a tenner and I thought you know what at some point I'm going to subject this to people I uh, people I like so uh, that that was a lot of fun but the bring and by thing was really really good as always um, there was also a bomb scare for like 30 seconds which was quite fun really yeah there was like somebody basically left a bag to one side and just walked away <laughs> just left a bag walked away so a lovely little doggy came, came along with the, with the a policeman friend that they had uh, gave it a sniff and was like ah, there's nothing in there uh, and then they took it away. The dog was like hey listen there's no there's no bomb in here it's fine so that was good and then the other thing that I saw and I went and looked this up before we started recording I can't find basically hardly any record of it. Square Enix has just started getting into board games so they've They've started making in-house, because I talked with the guy uh, uh, who was showing me the, the, the game, uh, the game which is Choco Chocobo Party Up. Talked with them about it, and basically they do all their board games in-house. Uh, which is kind of interesting, because Paradox, for example, who I really love, they tend to shop out all of their board games of adaptations and stuff. They're doing Stellaris, they're doing Europa Universalis, but they're all being done by other people. Uh, whereas Square Enix is like, no, 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 we're going to handle all that in-house. Um, they've done a couple so far. There is a Tomb Raider, the official board game, coming out. Yes, you are correct to give me that raised eyebrow, Chris. And it looks neat. Uh, it looks very neat. It's out in the next month or so. I didn't I didn't give it too much of a look, but it is very... Um, the art is very like based on the new series and stuff like that. And oh, okay. It looks like it could be quite cool. But the one I played, because <laughs> uh, it looked really really cute, uh, it was Chocobo Party Up. And it's a Japanese board game in which you take on the role of a Chocobo, a different coloured Chocobo, which are from the Final Fantasy series. And the idea is that you take the Chocobo out in onto onto this little map and you have to go and cry on a hex on a little hex area and you you do a cry and you go quack or whatever it is that they uh, that they say well you you yourself personally don't like weep tears onto do the map. weep tears well I mean you can if you want Dan uh, do what you want on your weekends mate um, but you don't have to the cry is
2: more like Ah-ah! Or something like that Do you know what I mean
1: Oh you mean like A call Yes yeah.
2: See, call see it- when you said You go and you cry That sounded like you That's said how the guy Described You go it and you me. cry
3: He was like It's cr- it's called crying And I was like Alright this, this feels like Maybe you should have Just called it a call But anyway And you take your little Lovely bird friend Because they're all Little birds And then you go onto These little areas That you're allowed to do This cry action And then when you do that a, nu- a little baby chocobo Comes along And you have to lead them Back to your nest And you have a little Each player has a different nest It's a I think it's two two to four players we play three players me Alex and Greg and so that's that's the core idea you go to these things do the cry go back to your nest and then they're happy and safe and then you win when you get I think six but the difference is that if you have so your other the other players that you're with if they have more chocobos than you then they are able to steal a chocobo from you all the chocobos you have when they move onto the tile that you are also inhabiting so for example let's say for example you have two chocobos that's the normal chocobo, and then like a little baby chocobo that's with you. And then your friend has got three chocobos. Then they move onto your hex and they take your baby chocobo with you. And then they steal that and they take them back to the base. And then that's their, that's their chocobo. It's all about it's all about that risk reward of going out and finding these things and having as many as you possibly can without going too far into your opponent's areas and like making sure that you don't get like screwed over basically. And then there are power cards that allow you to do different things like move chocobos out of. An opponent's control, or you can leave chocobos on the map, or you can get a fat chocobo, which is worth two chocobos. Fat chocobo <laughs> is pretty awesome uh, and very, very cute. And they were doing this thing where, like, basically, they were like, "The game's not out, but you can buy a copy." It was, it was really weird. Like the way they were handling it, they were like, "Oh, we're going to do this like pre-release thing where you can was buy this a in copy." Of the- a lorry? It felt like it, Chris, because honestly, I went looking for this thing today, I couldn't find any reference to it. Like Square Enix's official. Twitter account has a weird spelling of the game and it's from a tweet from like a year ago and then like there's one link on Beasts of War some uh, some, some website that's quite good about board games like and they caught they actually have a different spelling for Chocobo Party Up it's not on BGG like hmm. but they were selling a copy of it and it's a full proper Square Enix joint and it's all and it's really good it's like a really fun little um, it's not super deep or anything like that there's definitely a complexity to it and it is definitely one of those games where you know you like play it once it's like Catan you play it once and and then at the end of the game, you go, oh, and then you play another game. And then you realize where all the strategy is. Uh,
1: uh, this is this is kind of like the preamble before someone tries to sell us their part of the pyramid scheme. <laughs> I know. <isn't> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I ended up investing all of my money <laughs> yeah. into In Chocobo Party Up.
3: Yeah. But like, honestly, I... It's really weird. It's really weird. Like, yeah. I, the fact that there's just no information out about it. About it and like, this is this is Square Enix. And this is like a Final Fantasy property and it's a real shame because as i say like um it's really nice the, the card art is gorgeous
1: what kind of what kind of style art is it is um, it very much like the anime um sort of chocobo stuff or is it very much kind of like the more realistic do you know sort of final fantasy 15
3: you know when uh japanese folk make kind of like dreamlike fairy tale anime that kind of very um. cute soft edge Quite detailed. I would say it's kind of like approaching. Uh, it's kind of like approaching Ghibli, but not with the Ghibli. You know, the classic Ghibli. Something like, have
1: you seen that. the Ravens of Three Shahashri? That uh, game. Yeah. I'm will... imagining that sort of the
3: Ravens um, of, of Three Three Shahashri. Let's have a quick look. Yeah. Um, yes, getting towards that. Yeah, getting like, towards like that imagine kind of that, yeah. but a bit more Ghibli.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
3: So yeah, and it's as I say, like the card art's really nice. The game's got a fair amount of strategy to it. It's definitely one of those games that will you'll get it out every once in a while and it'll be a thing that you play for half an hour and you go, Oh, that was really good fun, and then you go and play the next thing that's a bit meatier or you play something that's you know, it's 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 definitely not it's not even as like chunky as um Catan or anything like that. It feels a bit like uh, Ticket to Ride New York in that it feels like a thing that yeah. you play between other things. But it's mm-hmm. really nice. Um yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And yeah, UK games Expo this year was really good. You should definitely come next year. Yes, because um, I do think you will have a heck of a good time. So get that. Like that or he
0: sends you a two pound fifty next year. Oh mate, <laughs> I,
3: honestly, there was there was a game for a pound.
0: Oh, um,
3: no, it was fifty p, but it was like missing oh. like a whole bunch of parts because it was in uh. the bring and buy sale, and I was like, oh, I'm not. I'm it not was gonna just do
0: the iron from Monopoly. <laughs> yeah, it was
3: like a <laughs> dice, a die. So um, yeah, it was. Um, oh man, what a lot of fun.
0: Can I continue to ride the wave of board gameness? Yes.
1: yes. Ride yes. that board game wave. Whoa, hold on. With
3: hold on. We're hanging the wave. ten.
1: Oh <laughs> As as the only one out of this group who has actually surfed, I can um I've been on uh, a surfboard. Board. Was it fair enough? Was was the yes. Was the surfboard
3: on the sea? It was. Really?
2: Yeah. What did you do? I didn't
3: stand. <laughs> Didn't
2: stand. didn't stand. But I was on the surfboard. Oh, right. Just laying hey, on well, it. Hey, as the one person who has gone scuba diving... I've been scuba diving. scuba diving. Yeah. You have been scuba diving in a swimming pool. That's not scuba diving. Yeah, uh, but
3: uh, it's still it, done it. did have
0: water in it, Dan. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. It's, yeah, it might have had, a, like... It might have had, like... I don't know. Uh, it might have had plasters at the bottom, but it doesn't make it any less magical. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And it's not done... <laughs> Dan, Pete doing the equivalent of what you did on the surfboard was to put all of the scuba diving stuff on and then just put his feet in the water. <laughs> <laughs> No, suddenly
2: hey, it's absolute. hey, 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 <laughs> hey. I was in Australia. I was a, in a big body of water. There were waves, but I, I just wasn't able to stand. That
0: was all. You Fair did enough. your best. You tried your best. So
1: so the board game wave, here it comes. Here we and go. And it, it's crashing all over Chris.
0: Uh, and actually, the wave is this wonderful designer called Wolfgang Walsh, who mm-hmm. is just become this critical darling. I was watching the Dice Towers nominations for their awards, and he has been nominated for Best Newcomer Designer um, for free games, um, <laughs> which he release all in one year. Wow. That is The Mind. Um, that is Ganshon Clever. And the game I want to talk about, which Sam's played with me, which is Quacks of Quedlingburg, which is probably one of the worst titled board games I think I've come yeah. across. I always have to double check what it is because I always forget the name of it because it's so long-winded. Um, it's, it's extraordinary. He's almost chameleonic, this man, because it's unlike... You can kind of see a little bit of Ganshon in terms of... How, how crunchy it is in places, but in terms of art style and genre, it's completely different. Um, this is a bag building game, a push-your-luck back bag building game, where each of you plays the role of a charlatan or a fake doctor. That's the quack, basically. And in front of you, you have a cauldron, and from the center, spiraling outwards, is the numbers of, that you can move your little droplets. You can play your droplets of potion ingredients as you pull them out of the bag. But here's the kicker there are basically these um exploding berries inside your bag essentially if you, yeah if you draw more than 7 including you know the total of 7 in terms of the numbers on them so some of them have threes twos and ones your potion explodes and that's it for you. So each round you are getting money and victory points and you're using that money to buy more potion ingredients, which dilutes the bag somewhat and reduces the chances of you getting those explosive ingredients coming out. But you're thinking, oh, I could get lots of cheap ingredients. that won't get me very far around the board or I could buy an expensive ingredient. It's got a number three on it. So that's great. That means I get to move three spots around the board here. So it's this wonderful kind of push your luck Uh, what I think is the is a sort of the the real kicker of
1: of why this game is brilliant is that the fact is you know from the moment you start the game, exactly what is in your bag. So you have, so as you said, you have a, you have white tokens right. that add up to seven, and you know how many of those white tokens you have. So you have like three ones, one three, and two twos, and then you know exactly. So the so the game is based around the fact that you know what is in your bag that's going to cause you to fail in that round. So every round subsequently is you playing against that probability of I've got ten things in here I've already drawn these things the probability of me bringing out the thing that's actually going to finish my round yeah. is you know it's 20 percent. so I'm gonna do it I'm feeling lucky pre- yeah you're feeling lucky because because that's what the game the wonderful balance that, that the designer has, has brought to it is just making sure that you're always that, that working out the probability is always really super simple so you always feel like you're in control of the maths so you're yeah. always ready to go that one step further
0: and, and take stuff out of the bag. But it's also that intersubjectivity because I'll look around the table thinking, no, I'm going to stop here. I'm doing good. I'll stop here. And I look up and Dan, somehow, Dan is is, is going miles ahead of me. I'm thinking, well, that does, that's not fair, surely. Oh, do I? Yeah, go on then. I can't have Dan go that far. I'm going to go for it as well.
1: Yeah, and because you know, like all I need to draw is the white thing that's got a three on it and I'll be bust. But there's seven things in there. The chances of me drawing drawing that one thing that's going to end my round is yes. so remote that it's just, uh, uh, oh and it's that because and because you're all drawing from the bag at the same at the same time it's that wonderful moment where you're just drawing something and out of the corner your eye you'll just see like Chris's head drop and just be like yeah yeah I'm, I I'm did broke. it again I bust but, my pot
0: but what Walsh <laughs> does brilliantly with this as well is that you've got little things like you've got like a little potion that you have on the side and if you feel oh I've just drawn a white token now that takes my total up to six. Oh, this is a bit dicey. I can flip that potion and put that white token back in the bag and carry on. And also I can, at the end of the game, at the end of the round, I've exploded. Um, Where I've ended up on the board, it's got two numbers on it. One denotes just my victory points and one denotes how much money I get. Everyone else who didn't explode gets both of those qualities. Me who did explode, Muggins here, has to choose one. Now, starting off in the game, I'm not interested in victory points. I'm just going to buy as much stuff as possible because this has got this great balancing mechanic in it, which is very simple. When you look on your scoring board, at intervals around the board, there are these rats and their tails hang across the scoreboard. If you're right at the back and Sam say has strode on miles ahead, I count the number of rat tails between me and him and I have a little rat tail token and I move it several steps ahead corresponding to that number. So it's almost like a handicap in golf. I start that far ahead, which means you never ever feel as if you're always on the back foot. If you have one bad round early on, you feel, that's it, yeah. I've got no chance now. You've always got a chance in this game. And particularly if you've got people around the room who get really cocky and also, <laughs> they also want to be part of that enjoyment because whatever happens, and I've played this game quite a lot now, um, that feeling of drawing tiles out of a bag never gets old. No. And when, you've, when you're the one that's done it too fast, and you look around the room, everyone's still going, you think, oh oh, I want to be part of that, oh whatever I'll just go, because it'll be funny either way Um, because you never feel as if you're ever going to be on the back foot that anyone could win and what makes this game even more replayable is that each of these tokens has their own special powers, but there's four different versions of it for each one, more or less and so there's tons of different combinations for this game Uh, aside from the fact that there's also an expansion that's been released which gives you a fifth player, which at some point I probably will buy because everyone I've played it with, it's gone down incredibly well with, like I Literally bought it the day I played it. It literally yeah. arrived the next day. Um, it, it's 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 something I don't own. I mean, some people listening here who've, who play bag builders like Orleans or Ultiplano are probably more au okay fait with this than me. Um, the closest I've ever got to is like the Chaos bag in Arkham Horror, the card game. Right, but right. in this case, I can actually stack the deck in my favor, mm. a bit like the War of the Ring bag Bagrog, um, yeah. for example, where you can put tokens in there to kind of mitigate the risk. There, it, it's, he's got another hit, as far as I'm concerned. This guy just keeps knocking them out the park and it's it's genuinely a really fun experience I will say this though and I've heard a lot of people say this in reviews that it's one of those games you want to really try it out at a ball game cafe yeah. because I can imagine this not working with everyone it's,
1: hmm. I- it's it's I I heard about it a long a long time ago and I was always really sceptical about its mechanics and how it would work. And like, I'm a massive Wolfgang Wash fan. I own every single one of his games, other than this and Bricks. So I, I was just kind of sceptical of like, how much fun can it really be just to pull stuff out of out of a bag? Because <laughs> like, I played Sheriff of Nottingham beforehand with you, Pete. And yes. for me, I think that's just that's where my head was. was- was like kind of like that feeling of a bag like a secret and hidden thing yes. and you're trying to dupe another person to making convincing them what's in your so it's about bluffing and so I never really understood just hearing about quacks kind of where that enjoyment lies but the moment you play it and again I think one of the geniuses of it is that you're all drawing from the bag at the same time unlike Sheriff of Nottingham which is kind of like um, you know everything's done one by one so it's more grand standing is more of a, a theatrical thing to it whereas in Quacks because you're all drawing at the same time and I think that's another thing that put me off because I'm just not a fan of real-time games like I've not found a real-time game that really has ever appealed to me so I know, I didn't know how that would work but the moment you start playing it and the moment you start drawing stuff out of the bag especially on the first round because everyone has exactly the same things in their bag the first round the, the narrative immediately starts to play like who's going to be the lucky one who's going to be the person around the table who's just going to push her luck who's going to be the person who 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 plays it safe and then because you all see what each everyone's buying at every different turn see what all their tactics are the joy of being able to start creating that game in your head and balancing the different actions and attitudes of all the people you're playing with like that's the joy of it and I guess that's a a vein that happens through quite a lot of Wolfgang's games like the mind is a game that the mind is a game that exists Outside of the cards, illusion again is something that is joyful because of the narrative that that begins to be spun by the people that are around you. And Quacks is exactly has that same feeling of it that like the mechanics are so simple but have this wonderful depth to them that really it just allows each of the players around the table just to to grasp it with both hands and run away with that idea, mm. which is just it's just joyful. It's it, it is wonderful.
0: And and like this idea that in the last round. You, you all definitely have to draw exactly at once at the same yeah. time. And the reason you do that is because, um, if for whatever reason you want to stop and say that's it enough for me well it means that other people then will think well actually hang on they've stopped there now that's where they're going to score finally I'm going to carry on regardless yeah. so what you have to do then is you can actually put your hand in and not draw anything out and just pretend and literally just almost like in a bidding war push that other person ahead egg somebody else on to keep drawing even though you've got no plan at all to draw yourself um, and, I,
1: and I don't know if we house rules it or this actually is in the rules but even if like you put the bag down say that you're out even then it was like (laughs) do i uh, yeah do i dare jump back in like i could i could just jump back in and and the other great thing about the final round is and i this is the bit i love the most because the person in the lead which was me gets to like shout out when people draw so just like ready draw <laughs> just like ready <laughs> draw so like yeah it has this wonderful like th- the narrative sort of builds and builds and builds and builds and it has this like wonderful dramatic theatrical finish to the whole thing where you're all doing everything at the same time in this perfect like step sequence so yeah it's it's wonderful and my wife my wife she loves it and we have this running gag that Chris just owns all the games that she really enjoys like Flam Rouge and Quacksy Quedlingberg and and other things and uh, Cryptid and so, so she was just like oh i really want to play that that potion game again but we we'll just have to wait until we see chris
0: well we say we have a joint game collection it's just we do miles we do chris between we do. Channels.
2: Oh I I uh I finished Horizon Zero Dawn. Did you? Eventually. So yeah, I finally finished it. I I cuz I've got such a significant uh pile of shame of games. I'd just been focusing in on one game at a time so I was playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Um True. I finished that. I kind of by the end of it I I switched it down to easy just to kind of burn through it. I really enjoyed it. I tiny bit disappointed by the ending. I thought it was building to something a bit bigger than it was. I was I was expecting like a Lord of the Rings style battle at, at the end and it was kind of a bit quiet than that um, but it was really good it was really good fun so I've moved on now and I've taken uh, Sam's advice and I've started playing God of War um, oh my word
0: Daniel what do you think of it uh, the narrative I'm really enjoying wrong answer <laughs> Yeah, no. This is this is what I thought it would be like for me, Dan. I'd love the narrative and the look of it, but I wouldn't like the gameplay. The narrative
2: the I really like, the look I really like, gameplay by and large I really like. The combat I'm really struggling with. What, what do you mean? What do you mean struggling with? Like, is it boring? Is it poor? Is no, it, it's, like... it's it's. I mean, maybe it was a problem coming off the back of Horizon Zero Dawn cause Horizon Zero right. Dawn is fantastic at strategically setting up a, when you're attacking people because you can do it from a distance. You can pick off parts of an enemy to to if someone's shooting at you. You can pick off and take off the gun and then you can take off the other gun and then there's different sensors. You can really be quite kind of uh, strategic as you do it. Whereas this, at least at the start, at least as far as I've got, it feels very button mashy. you basically got light attack, heavy attack and ranged attack. And I'm just struggling a little bit with kind of having any finesse within that because it just feels like smash, 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 smash. Oh, I'm dead. Let's try again. So is it, okay, but is it, is it hard? It like, is hard. It, like, is, it, is it difficult? I'm fine. I hands up. Uh, cards on the table. I'm not very good at video games. Neither okay? am I, mate. <sighs> I know, shocking, Um, and so when it comes to something like this, and you've got seven or eight enemies coming at you, and you're fighting them, they're all coming at the same time, you're fighting them off in different ways, stuff like that, it feels kind of like trial and error, Mm. I feel like if I try it enough times, eventually I'll do it eventually I'll fight them back long enough to be able to kill them all, and so it doesn't really feel like I'm winning, it's kind of like the game's almost, I've just won by default eventually, Um, so I did look look at kind of online at some of the combat stuff, just in case I was maybe doing it wrong, and I think there are elements that I'm not doing enough of. But yeah, that's struggling. I mean, I'm going to continue on at the moment because it's I'm enjoying the narrative. There's a lot of stuff that I like about it. And I'm still fairly early on in the game. And there have been certain uh, set pieces that I've really enjoyed. But for example, the first time you meet a troll, who's this kind of huge Goliath-type creature. Obviously, I'm guessing not quite as big as future monsters. But the troll, all it, it just kind of says is just kill it. But I was like, well, how do I do that? And it ended up all I had to do was wait till it got distracted, run up, smash my axe into its leg, and then run away again. And then wait for him to get distracted mm. again. And I was like, coming off the back of Horizon Zero Dawn, where... Mm. There was a multitude of ways and I could be using stealth and I could be sneaking around and then catching people off guard. And when I do that, I would make more damage, stuff like that. This just felt strange considering I knew how good the game was going to be. I felt sh- it was strangely kind of basic I'm early on in the game the game the combat will evolve I'm sure of it but right now I'm struggling with that aspect now mm. coupled with that is the fact that I keep dying because I am finding it difficult I'm finding it hard so I'm not in any way going to quit yet before I quit I will move on and drop it down the difficulty because I am I always play a game at normal in my mind that's how the developers wanted it to be played they yeah. created a baseline of normal for people who aren't very good they drop they give you easy and for people who are mental they give you the hard levels (laughs) so I always played at the the, the, the normal level Um, it's a tightrope Dan it is so I always play at normal and if I can't do that which is becoming increasingly more often um, I'll drop it down to easy and stuff like that so I'll do that before I quit but that's kind of where I'm sitting at the moment again this is the game now I'm, I'm watching it I'm playing it in bed Quite quietly. Although Sam, Sam, I spoke to you today. I've taken your advice and uh, put my headphones in. It's made it a more enjoyable experience. It's not helped at all in my playing of it, but it has made it a more enjoyable experience because I'm I'm hearing more of the the kind of the ambient noise and like the background noise and kind of yeah. all the intricacies of kind of the sound um, mm. the sound editing and the sound development within there. But yeah, it's a it's a work in progress. Well, I'll co- I'll come back in probably twelve months' time to tell you how I'm getting on because I'll still be playing that, it. The speed at which Dan, I play games.
0: Dan is this. Do you also envisage this is the way in which you will? Raised, Herbie.
2: <laughs> what trial and what, error? Just, a... just keep going. Eventually, he'll do it. No,
0: just yeah. The same way that Kratos, yeah, shave
1: his shape child. Your
2: head, grow a massive beard. Well, you're already halfway
1: there.
3: What, take going. him
1: on a quest to the top of a mountain.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Currently, he's not the he's not the poster boy for fatherhood. Uh, he's still very much come here, boy. Go he's over trying. there, boy. I don't care about you, boy. Something tells me he's. This relationship will evolve, and I'm looking forward to that.
3: It's funny, isn't it? Uh, that video games that are one of the few media i guess i guess games in general board games are, are the same in which there is there is fun to be had but there is a barrier to having that fun right mm. like and you only tend to get that with in other mediums where you need an like you need a certain level of knowledge or experience of the thing to get the the most out of it so for example like so for example if you go and have a very fine meal, like pay a lot of money for a very fine meal. Part of the enjoyment is in that, certainly in modern uh, cooking, is, is seeing what the chef is not doing or uh, seeing the, washing lifting, their hands. The, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, if you go to the <laughs> restaurants I go to, it certainly is that. Um, but like, no, it's 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 things like um, seeing the little tricks that they'll do. So, for example, uh, blending down a taking blueberries, uh, mushing them up in a in, in a blender, uh, getting them blurred uh, blended right right down, and then freezing them into small blueberry shaped blueberries of this blueberry. And the, and obviously, like the joke is like, oh, I know what the original ingredient was. I know what it was meant to look like. You're presenting it in a different way after you've done a bunch of process on it. Like that is enjoying that food on a level whereby that isn't it isn't it isn't enough to just kind of eat regularly you kind of have to know why you're going in to enjoy that stuff on, on one level I would say um, and there are a few other things but that tends to be it, 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 that barrier to entry tends to be super high end like you can enjoy music you can enjoy jazz but at some high end level of
2: jazz you just have to know about music to, to really appreciate well, think, some, um, some parts of it the, the comedian Dara O'Brien did a, did a stand up in the past talking about kind of video games and how having these barriers and talking about it being the only medium that prevents you from enjoying the experience if you're not good enough. So if you're not good enough at a game you just don't see the rest of the game. He kind of makes comparisons of like if you if you listen to the first three songs in an album it's not going to stop you playing because mm. your dancing isn't good enough. Mm. And I think there is there is an element with games that for me especially that kind of they just can be too difficult. I mean I've never played any of the um, From Soft like Demon Souls, Dark oh. Souls, any of this. I have no oh, interest in those yeah. because it will just frustrate me, and I will yeah. sit there thinking. i oh, not get me wrong. If I were to get through it, I would feel amazing. So I feel I've really accomplished something. But I just get so frustrated. I'm like, I don't. I, I wouldn't enjoy that experience of that mm. high level, that high challenge. I wouldn't enjoy it. And, and the challenge
3: comes in so many different forms. Like, like, so for example, I, I really like Shovel Knight. I don't, I don't like Mega Man. I really like, uh, City Skylines, which has got a whole bunch of complexity in it. But I don't like, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, like, Transport Tycoon like there are whole there's a and and in board games it's like that's that dumbass looking aerotech game that I've got like Dan you would not enjoy it because it is just like there's just a level of expertise that you're going to need to know to just to to just engage with it really but I find it I don't know I find it really I I, I find it really I guess I like the fact that things have different difficulty levels and things that as in to get into and things that have certain barriers to actually start enjoying them the thing I really don't like is being is feeling like in some way I have to be at a certain performance level in order to be thought of as a true player of that medium.
1: Oh yeah, that's ridiculous, yeah.
3: You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, the yeah, the, that's the, it's the biggest and most toxic part part of definitely like the FromSoft community like with Sekiro and Bloodborne and Dark Souls and all that kind of stuff the fact that for the fact that you have these incredible games like Mm. Bloodborne is in my top five games of all time but the fact that as you said Dan you wouldn't play it because you feel like it would be too difficult and therefore it would just frustrate you so you know all anyone's ever asked is for these games to be more accessible to people who want to enjoy them and the fact that there is this very small and toxic community base within them that that want them as this closed off partition thing where you have to be a certain skill level to enjoy them mm. is is an awful isn't an, is an awful thing because I just think about like the wonderful things that that um, you are missing out on I, I mean personally I don't think you would enjoy those games from a thematic standpoint anyway Dan I just don't think you would enjoy that those worlds I think God of God of War is definitely like something to stick to there's there's a, there's a really interesting thing that H guy speaks about which is called player conditioning and he made a video about Bloodborne which is super interesting and he talks a bit about difficulty difficulty in that but what what player conditioning is and and the the sort of the definition that he provides is that a good game through its mechanics and world should be teaching you how to play it in order To let you get the best from it. So Bloodborne teaches you how to play it from like the way that the enemies react, things that happen in the world, all this kind of stuff. The one criticism I would lay lead against God of War is that its player conditioning is really poor in the opening sort of couple of hours. Like the first the first big thing that happens to you is you have to fight a god who cannot be killed. So to get through that fight, you just end up button mashing because that's all that you can do against. This 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 impossible fight. So therefore, the game is conditioning you mm. as a new player to believe that oh, this led me to success. So I'm going to carry on yep. doing this. Yep. So it's conditioning you conditioning conditioning you to believe a certain way of doing it will lead you to success. But to actually really get good at God of War, you need to know the intricacies of how Kratos works as a fighter. Mm. So then, when you get later on in the game and you get enemies like the witch, who you have to, who I think Atreus has to hit with an arrow, or you have to throw your axe into her before she's actually able to be attacked. Yeah. Whilst you're also fighting sort of melee style with other enemies, it, it's a, the difficulty curve is a lot steeper because you've not been conditioned early yeah. on in the game to understand the complexities of the the true complexities of the of the combat and of the combat mechanics, or at least understand that you need to learn them if that makes sense That you need because you've been taught just to button mash, button mash, button mash with su- mm. success, success. So when intricate stuff comes along your brain's just not in the right place to actually yeah. go actually you, you kind of need to be doing this and it's the same with a troll thing because that fight essentially is there to condition you to make sure you don't forget how useful Atreus is your son in distracting enemies to make you get the attacks you need mm. but really all it shows you is how minimal a situation could be and how your attacks are not really doing anything. And it's very sort of simple, like attack based stuff. Like those early couple of fights really are big missteps in, um, yeah. in, in, in that game, which is, which is a bit, of, which is a bit of a shame. And
3: I do think there's a lot to be said about there is definitely a lot to be enjoyed in difficulty, right? Like difficulty is a thing hmm. that for me, I, I, I really enjoy in certain genres and sometimes with like, very specific twists on that genre, and there is uh, an enjoyment that I, I don't think we can you know walk away from. That is beating a game, right? That is beat. Yeah. That is going. Do you know what? I understand this game. I, I I have mastered what this game actually provides. I've been playing. Um. So I've been playing uh, Level Head recently, and one of the things that it pushes is uh, it's got this like level creation stuff, right? So this is um a two D platformer. It, like being reductive, it's Super Mario make- uh, Maker. Yeah. Like, it's Super Mario. But in the Butterscotch shenanigans is verse universe, which it kind of shares something with Crashlands and um, uh, Flop Rocket and a bunch of other stuff, and I really like their work. I really like Butterscotch shenanigans' work. So they've kind of been pushing on this, like, this level creator stuff. And because they've been pushing on level creator, everybody has made difficult, difficult levels. But beca- I the, I think the reason they've been doing that is, again, it's about player conditioning, right? The entire game has this story mode that I unlocks all of this stuff that goes into the level creator and uh this this level creator is like super fully featured i'm playing on pc it's coming to switch like really soon and i'm, yeah. I'm actually probably i'm actually probably gonna get it again on switch uh we got sent a code for this on 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 steam but I'm, I'm gonna go buy a copy on switch um but like the the pc version's got this really good level editor um that you can obviously use a mouse and a keyboard with and it, it's meant that people have really pushed into difficulty. And I think they knew this going in because all the levels that lead up to it that unlock all of these things in the level, uh, uh the level editor, all these levels are just ridiculously hard. Like, I'm playing through, I like, I enjoyed Super Meat Boy. Really, really enjoyed it. And um, this, this is like that next level of, we're, it, it does that classic Nintendo thing of, okay, we're gonna introduce a brand new feature and you're gonna die a couple of times as you get into it. Like, we're just gonna here's a new kind of block and you go up against it and you're like what did, What does this do and you die because you, you can't react quick enough and you run up against it again it's got really quick fast fast um, uh, restarting and you run up against it and run up against it and then you realise ah right this is this is what this block does and this is what I need to do to get past it so I need to get the yellow key so I can open this door so I'm going to go and find a yellow key easy it's like a really straightforward example and then once you've done that pretty much most of the time you'll then unlock the thing after a few of these levels you'll unlock the thing that it does so that you then know why you're putting it in into a level. It doesn't just throw you into, yeah. ah, you've got everything. Um, and it also doesn't throw you into, it, it kind of definitely pushes you down the, the path of you should play the story mode first, dude. Because the again, like when you go into the the community made levels, they do not muck around. Like like there are different tiers of difficulty, including one tier which is um which is called like unbeatable. So so to upload a level, you have to complete it yourself. The creator has to know how to complete the level and And do a run and complete it but there are some that the creators have made that just nobody else has completed yet and it's just this like badge of honor of can i be the first to beat this level and to knock it off of its podium of an unbeatable of a quote-unquote unbeatable level and there is like a deep satisfaction in making a level that is really really hard because that actually takes quite a lot of skill and then beating that you know taking that challenge rising to it and then going done it I I figured you out mate. there is something really enjoyable about that and those games are built entirely around their difficulty but you're right it's about that onboarding I'm not I guess I guess where I see when I when I see the Dark Souls stuff and people are like, yeah. oh, I don't want it to be I don't want it to be easy. I don't want people to enjoy it unless it's hard. I get kind of upset about that because I'm like, well, just enjoy the mastery of it, enjoy the art artistry of it. Like that's fine. Like you can enjoy that level of the game as well. But also, I wouldn't want all games to be super easy, which I think is what those people worry is going to happen. Yeah. Like they're like, I want games like Dark Souls. I want games to be hard. And that's like, okay, that's where you get your enjoyment out of it that's absolutely fine but having like an easy mode is like it's just like a relatively straightforward i mean there's a lot of work involved but it's relatively straightforward way of like letting people enjoy your thing
1: so, um, I recently completed Celeste, which is, uh, Matt makes games joint, uh, we previously spoken about Tower 4. Ooh, I like Tower 4. And so Celeste is available on the Switch, um, PS4, maybe, and Steam. Someone can check that for me. Platforms. Platforms. And, um, Celeste is known for being a super, super difficult platform game. But I think in this conversation about difficulty and accessibility and player conditioning, I think Celeste is a game that stands head and shoulders as an example of a game that does everything all of this superbly like excellently. And I think it's a game that all three of you Hmm. should try and play, especially you, Pete. If you can get it on Switch, then it's a one-in-the-bag recommendation. Because it is a game a bit like Level head in terms of it introduces mechanics in every single stage that are slightly different and you kind of butt your head up against these mechanics you're trying to get through from one end of the level to the other and in that process you know you will die you will fail but the idea is to get back up and to carry on keep on going. So you play as this girl called Madeline or Madeline and all she wants to do is get to the top of this mountain but when she starts climbing this mountain a part of her becomes... Actualized, and it's and depending on how you read it, it might be a symbol of um, depression or anxiety or panic. But this this other part of her that becomes actualized and physical in the world is a part of her that is very vocal about her chances of being able to climb this mountain and how she'll never do it. She'll never succeed at this, and she's always there in a presence of the bit of the game. And and she's and every time you get knocked down, she's always there to tell you that you're not going to do this. You can't do it. This is something that you're going to fail at so I've never played a game before Celeste where the actual mechanics of playing it have fed so much into what this story is trying to actually tell a story of what it's like to live with a part of you that brings you down to such a level of negativity and self and of negativity a place where you're always questioning yourself worth in the world and your identity and you know what you feel like you can actually achieve in Celeste I died 2,820 29 times which is 282 times per hour but i uh, get up again exactly and it was 5 times per minute i played this game for 10 hours and i completed it but it was a fact that every time i died i got up again and i tried it again and i got up and i tried and i got up and i tried and there was a there was a there's just like this lovely little touches that the developers put in like when i first when i was first playing it i went onto the second stage and i died like about 50 times and i thought oh that's really bad am i really bad at this game mm. and this little note Popped up and said, "Remember, every time you die is a time that you're learning." Mm. And I was just like, "Huh? Okay. Well, then let's go for it." And then I didn't, I didn't worry about it anymore. Mm. And the other great thing about Celeste is that it has a really, really deep set of accessibility options. So if any bit, if at any time you you really are struggling and you feel like you can't actually progress, then it has this assist mode. And before we go into it, it says, "Look, these things are here to help you, but ultimately, we made this game." something that is difficult to achieve but you can do it but if you really feel like you have to use these then you can use them That's cool. and it's not a simple bumping it down to easy it can be a thing like oh I just want to slow the game down 10% hmm. or I want my jump to be this bit higher or I want to be invincible so it means that you can really tweak the difficulty of the game cool. so you don't feel like you're cheating your way out of out of an experience or you don't feel like you're necess- necess- you don't feel like you're Necessarily, you know, going against what the developers wish, and you're still going to be experiencing this wonderful cohesion between the actual mechanics of the game and the narrative that it's trying to it's trying to tell, and it's just it's just absolutely superb. And I was, you know, it was Joy-Con throwing, pro controller hurling. Mm. You know, desperately frustrating at, at times and, but by the end of it, the feeling of like, um, joy and elation and especially how that all builds into how, you know, you feel like. You feel like Madeline at the top of this mountain. You know, for what she's come to terms with, battling with this actualized part of her negativity of her of her depression, like literally is like a black dog that follows her around this whole entire game, and you're always battling this negativity. You're always challenging yourself to get up, just try this thing another time. You can do it. You you can see your way through this puzzle. Like it's 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 I've never played a game that's married such a wonderful story with its mechanics mm. and how it plays on different Difficulty not being a gate between enjoying a game, but difficulty being a way for you to understand what it's like to be someone who suffers from anxiety or depression or using those mechanics to actually enhance a story rather than stop you or gate you away from enjoying it. It's brilliant the whole time.
3: Why do I have questions? What questions do I have? Oh my god, the
0: questions...
3: Alright, do you want me to answer, do you want me to ask a question?
0: I'd, I'd love you to do both, really. Yeah, and if you could ask a question that has been actually sent in, not one that's just literally come off the top of your head. Come up off yeah, the top yeah, of let's, head. Yeah,
2: let's not, this isn't a chance for kind of let Pete ask anything.
0: No, hang on, oh, no. I,
1: I think, I think he secretly does want to ask something. We should at least be I mean, kind. I mean, we're friends, Pete,
2: if you do have something you want to ask, please go ahead, we're here for you, this is a safe space. And we'll leave a phone number and helpline
0: at the end of the pod.
1: Yeah. Right. Okay. So if necessary. Me. I mean, we'll just put your phone number, so <laughs> that yeah. would <will> confuse you. <laughs>
0: Yay! <laughs> if you think your life's bad, have a chat with me.
1: <laughs> I, for one, want Pete to ask a question. Have you and... done...
3: Yeah, okay. Uh, Sam, but uh, Sam, have you done a fancy new theme tune to go with this?
1: What? For just your question? <laughs> yeah, just my... The theme tune's is not the question, Pete. <laughs> Okay, hang on. Hang on. Yeah, I have. I just need to get my, my instrument. Thought, right. okay. All right. Okay, so... Okay, I've uh, got my instrument. Okay, and, and welcome to Peter Asks a Question. Peter Asks a Question! That was creepy. That's not an instrument, either. <laughs> it's, it I, is. It's, it's, his voice it's, is an <laughs> instrument, Pete. Yeah, uh, I just used the peg on my nose because, A, for some reason there are pegs down here. Yeah. And, two, because... It was the only thing that there is.
2: I mean, well. my, my, I mean I'm mean, i drawn to the fact that y- your voice didn't seem to change that much with the peg, I'm not going to lie.
1: We will get to the genuine <laughs> question as soon as possible.
2: As soon as Peter stopped thinking about a silly question to ask us, just, you know, for the backers. <laughs> I mean, that's it. If, we were, if
0: we were Patreon funded, this would just be for the backers. <laughs> yeah, and they would not be getting their money's worth.
1: Here we go.
3: What do you think
1: mm.
0: your
2: best
1: feature is? <laughs> <laughs> so physically or personality? What like a water feature?
3: That's gonna. I'm just using the word. I'm just using the word feature.
1: Okay. I we we just got our our wedding photos back, and the most prominent feature that I've noticed on myself is a massive vein that runs <laughs> that runs from the middle of my right eyebrow. Yep. up until the top of my forehead and mm-hmm. and it kind of presents itself in the photos at moments of joy sort of glorious yep. celebration I've also noticed it possibly like when I'm angry so, so I'd yeah. say that's like quite a nice feature to have kind of like a very overt symbol of Sam's either really enjoying himself or he's very very cross
2: <laughs> so. you'd be terrible at poker it's an awful tell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fold <laughs> Dan feature uh, uh, I mean I probably should say my child because you left it quite open-ended is that a feature
1: that's like that's if you were selling the Dan action figure then that yeah. would be a feature Back <laughs> like, of the box. now comes with child yeah, <laughs> yeah be fair, Sam.
0: if you're selling a house you have like features don't you that you want to show off yeah up. but a
1: child isn't one of them <laughs> well I'm not a house <laughs> I know exactly so why are you why is your because, child because
2: a feature if, because if you're selling the house you one of the features is a conservatory yeah <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
0: and Toby is kind of an extension.
2: <laughs> yeah, he is my extension. He's an extension of me. Yeah, that's
3: true. Actually, I mean,
2: yeah. I mean, I'm. I, I mean, I'd have to say I might put money on the fact that I'm the first person to kind of have their child be represented by a conservatory. But I'm, I'm happy to take that. I'm happy to be the first man who compares it to a conservatory.
3: I certainly like it. I'm assuming Chris just un, unquenchable appetite. Yeah, stomach, stomach,
1: <laughs> stomach. <laughs> Best feature. Yeah, brilliant. We. Brilliant. We a don't a ask Pete his own questions on Pete Asks Questions. No. Um, uh, can, so you do can you do my thing in the air?
2: Can you do what? Can you do my thing, please?
1: Okay, hang on. Sam,
2: we established you don't need the peg.
1: I do. <laughs> part of the... It's part of the miss on sen. Yep. Pete Asks a Question! <laughs> there you go. Okay, uh, it worked
2: a bit better that time.
3: Yeah, that <laughs> that, that, that was sort of Gilbert Gottfried presents <laughs> Peter's question.
1: And um, the skeleton um, from He-Man.
3: <laughs> oh, with we, a yeah. bit of Wilhelm scream. Yeah. <laughs> if you notice you've never seen them in the same room together so make that what you will um, Robin Zwicker via Facebook has an actual question brilliant you can send it through Facebook a question you can send a question through Twitter you can send a question through the power of email Pod at gmail.com uh, you can just go to stayinginpodcast.com and you'll just find all the ways that you can get in touch with us. and you see all the art uh, that, we've, that we've got on there now all the new lovely yellow art that's all up on there so Robin asks a question and this question is actually I think I think this might might be the longest part of the podcast when it goes nah. out. So oh my word. what is oh the best biscuit to have with T. Now, now, now mm, there,
1: that is the. That is, that is the important bit in Mm With T. No, no, hang on, hang on. No, 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 no. The important bit is the word have. Because he's not saying, <laughs> he's not saying dunk. Yep, absolutely. He's saying to have, which now, in my I, mind is a completely different. I'm happy to take dunking into account. That's one of your chat up lines, Pete. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine
3: with, with rating it on dunkability, crunchability, whatever ability you want to rate biscuits on. I'm fine with that. I'm also fine with saying, you know what, the tea can be any kind of tea. If you want to say, you know what, that's the biscuit I'm going to have with that particular kind of
2: tea, I'm all right with that. For me, the tea is going to be English breakfast tea. I uh, I'm and, I'm, not, and, I'm not a connoisseur of the variety of teas that I know some of you guys are. Do you have biscuits with other types of tea other than English breakfast tea? I mean, you can, but is it is
3: it acceptable? I don't know. I mean, you can have biscuits with coffee, so I'm assuming you could probably have biscuits with
2: green tea. Mm. Don't you tend to have like biscotti with coffee or something?
3: Right, exactly, but it is, you know, biscotti, I mean, certainly biscotti belongs to the biscuit family. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's an otti. I assume it's it's an Italian wing of the biscuit family. <laughs> the uh, the in terms of English breakfast tea, I will say this it'll be either a Tetley or a PG Tips or uh, because I'm fancy a co-op fair trade uh, but it, but you know a something hell. in a bag it's not being in a teapot and if I'm having that kind of tea then the kind of biscuit I'm going to have with it you know I hate to say it but what I want from a biscuit is quantity and uh, therefore I'm going to lean much more towards the rich tea biscuits because you get mm. an entire packet for like 40 pence
2: oh, I'm sorry I disagree with almost everything you've just said full stop I think I could break down that entire little monologue
1: I can't believe that budget is the one thing <laughs> that defines what what biscuit you have with tea. Okay, Pete, imagine you had Pete. Imagine you had two pounds. Okay, mm. two pounds. What biscuit yeah. would you get then, rather rich than rich <laughs> because I could
3: get three massive packets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Vitties know it because they actually do sell sell rich teas in those right. bumper bags, which yeah, I've only this... ever seen them sell rich teas in. They only
3: sell rich teas in those in the size yeah. of biscuit packet that could brain a person. Person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You could you could get into serious physical assault territories with one of those things in, the, in a Tesco's aisle. Um, that for still, me, that that's no. what it's about. It's about munching. They're, to me, biscuits are like popcorn. Mm. They're like you just have a lot of them, and it's something to do with your mouth while your brain and your
2: eyes do something else. <laughs> You are the, the words that are coming out of your mouth this I evening. Know. They are they are impressive. Uh, thanks, man. So you don't you don't
0: savour biscuits, Pete. No. You just gulp them down.
3: I just hoover them up. I'm like I'm like you, but but rather than with all food, just with biscuits.
0: Yeah, like a basking shark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a a biscuit basket shark just just literally sifting through the water, just getting as much <laughs> krill as possible yeah so i don't
2: i I wouldn't assess best biscuit based on the dunk ability, however. I do think A biscuit has to be able To be dunked And I don't think A rich tea can really be dunked Because one And you're done Not that I don't mean Multiple There's a significant dunk You yeah. lose half your biscuit It's at the oh, bottom yeah. of that cup a- Absolutely So, absolutely. So for me That rules that out completely Okay. I'm Personally, I'm sitting between two. I'm sitting between a chocolate chip cookie. It's got a nice bit of density, nice bit of sweetness, or... Are we, talk- are we talking homemade or from a packet? Or from a packet. No. You worry about budget, I worry about time. I'm not spending time to make biscuits every time I want a cup of tea. Picking <laughs> his tea leaves. My second option is the yeah. traditional two-finger Kit Kat. Mmm. Okay. Both of those can be dunked... I wouldn't dunk them more than once. But they both offer say, a sweetness which then complements
1: the tea.
3: But do you not worry about chocolate runoff?
1: No, I think we just leave that one there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you ever worried about chocolate runoff? I'm just going to drop. I'm going to. I'm just going to drop that in conversations. I'm finding are stagnating. I'll just detonate yeah. that. Stuff. I think yeah. ever, just
1: end the podcast there, really. If, if ever we break, decided either. to have
0: taglines for each episode, I think that would be the tagline for this one. Right, so, Daniel, right, isn't the Kit Kat a chocolate bar more than a biscuit? That's the only thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, right. Okay, Okay. Lisa and I play this game a lot when we're in class <laughs> together, as Chris will attest. When the internet's you, down. Yeah. yeah, we play the... You can only ever have one, one packet of crisps for your lunch for the rest of your life or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to play by the rules of the game, which is it's a Biscuit, mm-hmm. so you can't have a chocolate, a chocolate bar, Robin. If you want to get in touch for the next podcast and ask us what chocolate bar we'd like to have with a cup of tea, then mm-hmm. fair enough. But yeah. I think Chris is right; we have to be stick by the rules of the game. The
2: only thing I would say in defence of the Kit Kat, I'm not really sold
1: on. I'll have to get this in there, but I might as well say it, is Kit Kat
2: do advertise themselves as having it with tea? You take a break, yeah, but they're Kit-Kat. not.
1: That's not, but yeah, but that's not the question that we've been asked. Yeah, mm.
2: but that, but that's why I think it should be allowed in. Well, no, but
1: that's not the question that we And asked. the
2: judges rule? Judges? No. Disallowed.
1: Disallowed. <laughs> then.
2: Well, it's
3: okay. I put forward two, so I'm fine. I've got my cookie yeah, left. You're, you're sorted. Yeah, you're a sorted. Cookie. So right. um Sam, what's what's the what's the definitive ruling on the biscuit? I get the feeling that since you played this a lot, you've probably got <laughs> a solid line of reasoning.
1: So probably either chocolate hobnob or um caramel digestives, But but the important thing is straight out of the freezer.
2: Oh, okay. which interesting!
3: Which one, interesting.
1: Both,
2: both. Interesting. I'd say no to the hobnob just because all those bits got stuck in my teeth and they really annoy me. I'd say yes to the caramel digestive, although personally, I'm a more of a fan of just a plain chocolate digestive than a caramel. But I do admire uh, the caramel digestives. They, they are, they are something to be admired. But I've not mm-hmm. tried the freezer trick so. Oh, I've well, got some Dan, biscuits to buy.
1: Dan, when I used to work at Pizza Hut, I tell you what, I used to keep my chocolate. I used to <laughs> there, was a Tesco, there was a Tesco right by it, and I used to buy chocolate hobnobs or or um, caramel caramel digestives and keep them in the blast freezer with all the pizza bases at Pizza Hut. So those were like really, really stupid. And the, and the magic of the frozenness is like the first bite you get, especially with the caramel digestive, the first bite you get is sort of hard. And so when you drink tea with it, like the tea just melts the caramel just nicely in your mouth. You get this nice sort of toffee um, boil, would describe it as good mouth feel. And then as slowly as it defrosts over time, you're getting uh, multiple sensations. And this is this is the key part to the game that I always, that, that me and Lisa play, is if it's only going to be one thing for the rest of time, then you're relying on that one thing to have multiple shapes and dimensions. Mm. Which versatility. I think, versatility which is why when Lisa asked me if I have one chocolate bar for the rest of the time it would be a Twix because you can eat that multiple of ways even though it's not necessarily my favourite anyway
2: but it, but it is the caramel digestive of chocolate bars
0: yes I'm just thinking we spent longer discussing this topic than we have on quite a lot of like, weightier <laughs> subject matter it's, I, mean,
1: it's, I think it's because Pete Chris, and I had to answer remotely... a question
0: on Brexit the board game we
1: did that in about two and a half minutes <laughs> I, th- I think that's because out of everything this is the one one thing we're remotely qualified to actually talk yeah. about. This,
0: this this one's really touched a nerve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Um. Incidentally, Sam, I put we put our grapes in the freezer. Yep, that's always that's a nice. great one. That's and really then nice.
1: put those grapes into your drinks, and then yep. you can have them like your tea. Yeah. Okay. Another good another good suggestion for biscuits actually uh, is uh, Cadbury Snacks.
0: Oh, they're great! They're what? great. What are these? Capri, you know, little snacks. yellow and blue Things. square wrappers. Yeah, they're like for kids' lunch boxes, that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're they're up there with like the kind of Freddo thing, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like the biscuit version of a Freddo. It's like
2: short sh- chocolate covered shortbread, isn't it, or
0: something? Yeah, yeah that's it. So, um, I mean, you're all wrong. It's the chocolate bourbon. <laughs> the chocolate bourbon. Oh no, it's no, it's no, no! It's robust. A, it's it's a grafter. It's had to work as harder than all those other biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I'll tell you why. For me, the bourbon promises so much chocolatey goodness and doesn't deliver on it. It delivers on none of it.
0: I mean, I, I, I may I may agree with you after the first bourbon I ever consumed, but it's not like I forget <laughs> with each subsequent bourbon. No, I, I agree with Dan. And the other
1: thing that annoys me about bourbons is no matter how much money you spend on a bourbon, they all taste the same. So I've spent like 30p on a pack of bourbons, yeah. and I've also spent like two or
0: three quid on a pack of bourbons. All the same bourbons. They're all the like, same. Like, yeah.
1: They're yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> We're all coming from the same factory yeah. it's solid
0: um, and also versatility Sam like that, out of all of them it is probably the best like building material as well Hang they all test so you can you know I'm
1: just, I'm just phoning my wife to find out what she would pick
0: personally I'd take a custard cream over a bourbon
1: Hello? Hi, I've got a Hi. question. Um, if you could eat only one biscuit with tea, with tea for the rest of time, what would you pick? One biscuit. Chocolate digestive. All right, double chocolate or just chocolate digestive. Didn't even chocolate skip a beat. Straight, Straight just chocolate in. digestive. All right, thanks, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Bye the oh, speed you know, that
3: that is that that is a woman of action isn't it <laughs>
1: see we play this game a
2: lot <laughs> the speed of that answer she had she had that locks and loaded <laughs> brilliant oh, right so there you go a digestive a cookie oh sorry a caramel digestive a rich tea a cookie and a bourbon mm-hmm. that's our answers yeah
0: that's that's all of them they're the best what a biscuit barrel that would be That was Staying In with Daniel Frost, Sam Turner, Peter Willington and myself, Chris Darby. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to leave a review too, we'd be really chuffed to bits. Now, you're probably not aware of this, but our whole branding has had a bit of a facelift. Why not head over to stayinginpodcast.com and bask in how adorable we really are. While you're there, check out links to all of our different pies we have our fingers in. There is our page on Board Game Geek, our Steam Curation page, and all the different ways you can follow us. At staying in pod is where you need to find us on Facebook and Twitter. For those of you who want to get fit and do so for a good cause, come and join our team. Just head to your app store and download Charity Miles for your mobile telephone. And look for us in the app at hashtag staying in pod. That's all one word, hashtag staying in pot. Thanks for listening.